section nine of great epochs in american history volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. great epochs in american history volume one voyages of discovery and early explorations one thousand a d to sixteen eighty two by francis whiting halsey section nine the discovery of the mainland by the cabots fourteen ninety seven one the account given by john a doyle as early as the reign of edward the third sailors from genoa and other foreign ports had served in the english navy the increasing confusions of italy after the french invasion naturally tempted her seamen to transfer their skill to the rising powers of western europe among such emigrants was john cabot a venetian who settled in bristol and then after a return to his own country again revisited his adopted city of his earlier history and personal character we know nothing our own records furnish nothing but the scanty outlines of his career and the one glimpse of light which is thrown upon the living man is due to a lately discovered letter from his countryman the venetian ambassador of his son sebastian we know more he was born in bristol returned with his parents to venice when three years old and revisited england as a boy or very young man his features marked with the lines of thought and hardship still live on the canvas of holbein and one at least of the naval chroniclers of the day writes of him in the language of warm personal affection in fourteen ninety six a patent was granted to john cabot and his sons lewis sebastian and sancius this patent is interesting as the earliest surviving document which connects england with the new world it gave the patentees full authority to sail with five ships under the royal ensign and to set up the royal banner on any newly found land as the vassals and lieutenants of the king they were bound on their return to sail to bristol and to pay a royalty of one-fifth upon all clear gain the direction of the voyage the cargo and size of the ships and the mode of dealing with the natives are all left to the discretion of the commander of the details of the voyage itself so full of interest for every englishman we have but the scantiest knowledge in this respect the fame of sebastian cabot has fared far worse than that of the great discoverer with whom alone he may be compared we can trace columbus through every stage of his enterprise we seem to stand by the side of the great admiral in his difficulties his fears his hopes his victory we can almost fancy that we are sharing in his triumph when at last he sails on that mission whose end he saw but in a glass darkly victorious over the intrigues of courtiers the avarice of princes and the blindness of mere worldly wisdom our hearts once more sink as the cowardice of his followers threatens to undo all and the prize that had seemed won is again in danger we feel all the intensity of suspense as night after night land is promised and the morning brings it not when at length the goal is reached we can almost trick ourselves with the belief that we have a part in that glory and are of that generation by whom and for whom that mighty work was wrought 
no such halo of romantic splendor surrounds the first voyage of sebastian cabot a meagre extract from an old bristol record in the year fourteen ninety seven june twenty four on st john's day was newfoundland found by bristol men in a ship called the matthew and a few dry statements such as might be found in the notebook of any intelligent sea-captain these are all the traces of the first english voyage which reached the new world we read in an account probably published under the eye of cabot himself that on june twenty four at five o'clock in the morning he discovered that land which no man before that time had attempted and named it prima vista an adjacent island was called st john in commemoration of the day a few statements about the habits of the natives and the character of the soil and the fisheries make up the whole story we may perhaps infer that cabot meant this as a report on the fitness of the place for trade and fishing knowing that these were the points which would excite most interest in england one entry from the privy purse expenses of henry the seventh ten pounds to him that found the new isle is the only other record that remains to us columbus was received in solemn state by the sovereigns of aragon and castile and was welcomed by a crowd greater than the streets of barcelona could hold cabot was paid ten pounds the dramatic splendor of the one reception the prosaic mercantile character of the other represent the different tempers in which spain and england approached the task of american discovery but though our own annals give us so scanty an account of the reception of the two cabots the want is to some extent supplied from a foreign source letters are extant from the venetian ambassador in which he describes with just pride the enthusiasm with which his countryman was received by the people when he walked along the streets the next year saw cabot again sailing with a fresh patent several points in it are worthy of notice john cabot is alone mentioned by name from this it might be and indeed has been inferred that the part played by sebastian cabot in the first voyage was merely secondary and that john was the principal conductor of the first voyage as he was by the patent designed to be of the second he is authorized in person or by deputy to take six english ships of not more than two hundred tons burden each and to lead them to the land which he had lately discovered there is no limitation either of departure or return to bristol and no mention is made of royalties probably the original provisions were still regarded as binding except so far as rescinded or modified by the second patent in fourteen ninety eight sebastian cabot sailed from bristol with one vessel manned and victualled at the king's expense accompanied by three ships of london and probably some of bristol itself his cargo consisted of gross and slight wares for trafficking with the natives so scanty are the records of cabot's two expeditions that although we know the geographical extent of his discoveries yet it is impossible to assign each voyage its proper share we know that in one or other of them he reached sixty-seven and a half degrees of north latitude and persuaded himself that he had found the passage to cathay the fears however of his sailors justified perhaps by the dangers of the north seas withheld him from following up the enterprise 
he then turned southward and coasted till he came into the latitude of thirty-eight of the result of the second voyage and of sebastian cabot's reception in england we hear nothing he disappears for a while from english history carrying with him the unfulfilled hope of a northwest passage destined to revive at a later day and then to give birth to some of the most daring exploits that have ever ennobled the names of englishmen end of section nine